You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to another episode of Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And today we are here to talk to you about two films that came from the North. We are talking... Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you weren't done. I didn't know I wasn't done either. Are you done now? I'm done. (laughs) So we are talking about two Canadian horrors today in celebration of Canada Day and all things Canada. Canada Day was yesterday, uh, of course, and Independence Day is coming up. So, I mean, there's plenty of time for everybody to talk about how great or how bad their country is. And today, we're talking about Canada for our Canada Day episode. We're talking about My Bloody Valentine, the original, and Happy Birthday to Me, which is kind of like a Canadian-U.S. co-production, but aren't they all? <laughs> let's not get nitty-gritty here. <laughs> I think they're all. Like, to say that Black Christmas is a Canadian movie is just like, yeah, well, I mean, it was filmed in Canada. Fuck, Adam Sandler's Pixels is a Canadian movie, if you want to look at it that way. That's true. Pretty much every New York movie would be it's a Canadian Toronto, movie. yeah. yeah. <laughs> But whatever. These these are these are two movies that Canada holds as their own. And it's that's, ours. That's right. You can't take it away from us unless Please you want to watch it. Please don't take it away from us. <laughs> unless you we want to. We would be to. ever so sad. But before we dive into this week's episode, the heart of this week's episode, the maple leaf of this week's Canadian flag. We're tapping right into the trunk. We're getting that sweet, sweet maple syrup <laughs> juice. We, we don't really have a lot of Canadian things to say. Beer. Yeah. Beavers. Goose. But yeah, John, what's keeping you creepy this week? July is our greedy guts month at Nightmare on Film Street. Mostly because July is Canada's birthday month. I mean, it's also America's birthday month. But it's also Kim and I's birthday month. Woo! So we get really selfish. Like, (laughs) this is all about us. And that's what we've always done on the podcast. We have always picked movies for our birthday episodes, which are coming later this month. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear them. Um, obviously we also extended that to the writers at nofspodcast.com. So this month you are going to see a lot of very strange, weird, guilty pleasure, so bad it's good. And all of those weird movies that maybe we couldn't talk about before because they weren't quite horror or they didn't quite fit a theme we had previously. Uh, there's going to be some really fun stuff. Yeah, we've, we've always taken the opportunity to talk about the movies we want to talk about just because we wanted to talk about them for no reason whatsoever. And that's exactly what we're doing on the website also. So you're going to see a lot of editorials for movies that people love, that other people hate, or just strange articles people have always wanted to write. Last year we had Max, uh, the Scariest Crabs, <laughs> which continues to do well on the website like it still continues to trend in some of our top articles of all time which is hilarious 
The people are probably Googling spooky crabs. <laughs> I don't know how people are coming across it, but apparently he's tapped into a phobia I didn't know existed. <laughs> Approving articles for this month also is a lot of fun because I basically just pretended that I was Jordan Peele in that Key and Peele sketch about Gremlins 2, and I just said yes to everything. And they were all great ideas. It's not like I just, like, I'm carelessly <laughs> approving articles. I cannot wait for you guys to check out some of these, especially. And, and to see people defend movies you also love. So, you know, if you've always wondered why nobody else likes Urban Legends Three Bloody Mary, don't worry. Somebody's got your back. We also have been taking the time to visit our local drive-in. Hopefully you've been doing the same. There have been a few indie horrors hitting. We recently saw Becky, which is the Kevin James turned baddie. Home Alone-esque girl in the woods, surviving the night. Definitely one of the bigger horror movies that's topping the drive-in marquee this uh, this season. Not that there's a lot out there. But chances are, if you have a drive-in near you, it's playing either Becky or The Wretched. And I would highly encourage you to check out both of them. Especially because we've spoiled both of them over at Patreon.com. Yeah, we are dropping our Becky episode this weekend. And a couple weeks back, we dropped our Wretched episode... You can find those at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. We are actually hitting the drive-in again this week. Oh, yeah, we are. And we are are checking out a double feature of Jurassic Park and Jaws. Yeah. Uh, It'll mark the third time we've seen Jaws in the past two weeks. Yep. Once in the pool, once in the bedroom, and once in the (laughs) drive-in. The three places you're supposed to watch Jaws. (laughs) That and church. Once we cross that off, we've got them all done. (laughs) The holy quadrinity. Yeah. The Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and the Shark. And the Bruce. Bruce. Yeah. (laughs) We actually also, I mean, if you don't have a drive-in near you, there's plenty of movies on VOD. Uh, We also watched You Should Have Left, which uh, is also available for a drive home from the drive-in review at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. Uh, If you want to hear our full thoughts, um, I wasn't necessarily nuts about it, unfortunately. Kim, what did you think of Becky, real quick? Um. I also wasn't nuts about it. <laughs> <laughs> Six words or less review. We want more. <laughs> Kill more bad guys. Uh, it was a really fun drive-in movie. I think oh, yeah. it was like super kick-ass and fun and all of the like violence and stuff was really super fun. Very home alone as I said. You Should Have Left was a little weird. Uh, Kevin Bacon, Haunted House thing. Could have been great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got some fun moments. Overall, there's a light that won't turn off. I was really about that. And a protractor. Very spooky protractor. You were nuts. Yeah. I sang a song about it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not why we're here today. I don't really have a proper segue for this, but let's just get into it. Let's let's talk about two classic 1980s movies, both of which. Okay, one I thought I watched for the first time. Kim's telling me in a surprising turn of events, it usually goes the other way that I've seen my bloody Valentine before. I just don't remember anything about it. But it was a first viewing for both of us for happy birthday to me. It's wild, guys. We had to decipher some things. But let's get into it. Let's talk about my bloody Valentine. In this town on Valentine's Day, everybody loses their heart. Roses are red, violets are blue. One is dead, and so are you. It can't be happening again. Stop! It can't be happening again. What's going on over in Valentine Bluffs? It looks like Harry Warden's back in town. It happened once. It happened twice. Cancel the dancer, it'll happen twice.
in the town of Valentine Bluffs, there are many ways to die. Take your pick. My Bloody Valentine. 1981's My Bloody Valentine. Fuck it. Canada's My Bloody <laughs> Valentine from 1981. It's currently sitting at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. And Siskel and Ebert both gave it a thumbs down on their sneak previews episode. <laughs> oh, that was a, a joy to listen to. That was good. They basically just rhymed off all of the holiday slashers and we're just like get an original idea oh he comes back 20 years later Ugh, i think we've seen that before my favorite line of that entire video was was, it the art line no (laughs) no but my 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 favorite line was like i you know i guess if you want to see a crazed killer put a human heart inside a valentine's day box then this movie is for you and i was like like, yeah this movie's for me (laughs) oh (laughs) that's alone that's the poster, that's the trailer. It's just Siskel saying that. I'm in. I've bought my ticket already. I used to be really sad when they didn't like a movie that I liked, but now it kind of fuels my fire because yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm like, oh, Grandpa. Can you imagine being a horror fan in the 80s and watching uh, whatever that show was called? <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot. At the movies, is that what it is? Siskel and Ebert at the movies? I think so. All right. I would just use them as a barometer. Like, if they don't like it, it's for me. Yeah. Finding, you know, this is this is actually kind of a harsh thing that I've realized, because I do this with people, and I'm sure some people do it with us. Like, oh, if this person doesn't like that movie, I know it's for me. Like, I know I'm going to love it. I have a few people online that I barometer like that. Yeah. Just, just you know, some Twitter people who I follow purely out of uh, rage love. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's also not, and like, this goes for us too, you out there listening. It's not about listening to what we have to say it's just about knowing what our taste that other person's tastes are versus your own and going accordingly like i have some reviewers that i follow that i I know if they absolutely love it it's gonna it may be my new favorite movie of the year and vice versa she's like oh this person's tastes are a little far so you're just talking about making a taste proxy i guess (laughs) and siskel and ebert are the perfect taste proxy if it's an 80s horror movie and they don't like it they're like a taste anti-proxy yeah because it's gonna be your favorite movie ever maniac basically anything other than halloween they don't like it they say in their little mini review snippet of my bloody valentine how much they liked halloween and then it was like what was it two years ago and and all these other movies come terror train and friday the 13th get a new formula Or don't. I mean, stick with it for another 30 years if you want. I it mean, still works. Slashers became an, like these kind of themed morality slashers have become their own subgenre. And we're, t- we're talking about them 40 years later. I was going to say they were so unsuccessful and so unliked that they were all remade again <laughs> for more profit, <laughs> including my bloody Valentine, which until yesterday was the only My Bloody Valentine movie I had ever seen. I have never seen the 1981 My Bloody Valentine. That is not true because I've put it on before. Have you? Yeah, I, I just don't think we I just don't think it was like 
movie night put on. I think it was like we're working and we're also oh, near a t- television. It's in the background. Yeah. All right. Because I put it on a few times. Uh, one, because it's Canadian. And two, because it's Canadian. It's nice <laughs> to see people with the same wardrobe as me. And <laughs> <laughs> the same like weird northern dialect. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, we're pretty deep into this quarantine. Like so deep into this quarantine that it's nice to just not feel alone. And you're finding comfort in 80s horror movies and they're terribly adorable canadian accents (laughs) it's nuts it is insane how canadian these accents are yeah i really enjoyed it (laughs) you know we've seen we've seen plenty of movies uh like from scream factory or arrow that are definitely midwest movies united states midwest movies and they sound a lot like canada but occasionally you come across a piece of gold like my bloody valentine we're like oh man this sounds like my neighbor is talking to me right now (laughs) this is nuts they sound more canadian than we sound canadian and i appreciate it (laughs) you know i say that but i can't hear my accent and occasionally people comment on it uh in in like the podcast reviews and it makes me it makes me question every other word i've ever said on this show some of somebody told us a couple weeks ago that we say a boot a lot and it's really cute and and I I, I didn't hear the really cute part I just heard the you say <laughs> you a boot you say a boot and, and, and my blood is boiling and now I'm super conscious of <laughs> enunciating things because I don't want to be in a booter <laughs> yeah well you know a few things about that and I hope I boot that um, <laughs> and also that I say film a lot we gotta get whatever it's <laughs> it's in the title. We got to get on past this. We got to start talking about the movie. We but are. I, they're Canadian. I will say there is, there are, there are shades of the Canadian accent. <laughs> Who's your favorite Canadian accent in My Bloody Valentine? Oh, probably Axel, the, uh, like the, the protagonist, quote unquote. Okay. And, and followed up by Hollis, though. Okay. Friend. That's yes, mine. Yes, That's my favorite. Yeah, Hollis That's my is favorite. great. Because <laughs> uh, Hollis looks like a Canadian. Hollis drinks like a he, Canadian. Yeah, he looks like he belongs on that show. SCTV? That had Rick Moranis. And John Candy? Well, sure. No, there was a show with Rick Moranis and one other guy, and they used to wear, like, toques and... Oh, you're talking about Bob and Doug. Yes. That was part of SCTV. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, the Great White North. He looked like he was maybe their, like, beer bringer. Oh, he was the guy that delivered the beer? Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so My Bloody Valentine, the original movie. So not the first time we've watched it, but definitely the I'm, first... That's I'm hearing now. Yep. The first time we've <laughs> thoroughly consumed it. Mm-hmm. And also, like, deep in quarantine, like I said, so... Uh, we don't have a lot of other distractions other than, you know, like the crazy mad depression that's outside. Yeah, the borders are closed. We're here with our countrymen, the 1980s mind killers. True. What'd you think of that cold open? It was odd. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it because I, I love a good slasher cold open. Right. She had the heart tattoo. Well, not even not even just that. All the minor gear. Oh, when she reveals her blonde you, when hair. When you find out that it's a girl, yeah. it's not so, just two guys in a mine. No, I totally ate it up. But then I was also very, very confused because they kept talking about this incident that happened 20 years ago. And it wasn't, it, was until, it wasn't until like 30, <laughs> 30 minutes into the movie, the detective takes us back to that flashback where we find out people were trapped in a mine and one person got rescued and la 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 i thought that one flashback where it was just like oh some guy killed his girlfriend in the mine and now we don't celebrate valentine's like, day that's it that's a little okay canada okay yeah it was just a little confusing but i get it you need your your cold open when did that cold open happen i still don't know where in the timeline of the film it could have been a reshoot was she like of the friend group it was never commented on it's never brought up it doesn't matter it they could didn't be, find it, a corpse it could have been a dream we don't know true 
And that's what I like about it. A good 80s slasher with just a cold open that makes no sense, but at least gives you the tone of the movie you're in. I'm there for it. I love it. I have to say, too, I mean, the early 80s, late 70s brought us a quick succession of really iconic looking serial killers Mm -hmm. um, with their own franchises. And I don't think our minor gets enough credit. Right? He is so fucking ominous. It looks incredible. And just the idea of having someone with a headlamp where it's explained away in his costume makes for so many great cinematography opportunities. Yeah, when he's stalking people that are like crawling across the floor away from him. And he spotlights them. Yes! Oh god, yes! Even in the fucking laundromat that is like bright as day inside, you get some spotlight action. Oh man, I was absolutely in love with it from that moment on i also just love the the facial component of the mask because you have like this gas mask and then these two really round eyes and there's there's no parameters so like as humans we're looking for expressions and i I think that's why like michael myers is so scary and Mm. why jason Voorhees is so scary but there's something about like the black hole nature of that you know Somebody can see you, but you can't see their eyes. Mm, yeah, like yeah, Michael yeah, Myers, yeah. you can still see there's a person under that mask, but this... He might as well be an alien. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very scary. I dig it. And oh. super iconic. Great silhouette with the pickaxe. Yes. Oh, fuck yes. Oh, man. <laughs> but also, like, it's, uh, it's a town where this getup makes sense. Yes, it's a mining town. Also called Valentine's Day Bluffs, which is another just perfect thing. Yeah, I It's love just it. so fucking perfect. It's great. Like, there's hearts all over, like, the, the police chief's I car. I love how decorated talking, it is. Everything. I love it. You know Mabel put up all those decorations herself in the laundromat. She was so in. She, she probably hung them up everywhere. She probably strung them across the street. <laughs> Anywhere she goes, yeah. I want to, I just want to go to Halloween Town. Where is the <laughs> Halloween version of this minor town? I bet they put on a good Halloween show. Small I, town like that. I secretly just want to live in that Paranorman town. You know. Oh, yeah. I don't so can't remember what You want to live in Salem. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's that's what it is. <laughs> they, they, they burn a bunch of witches. Find they the celebrate lie. Halloween. <laughs> Oh, man. You know, they, I, I hear increasingly from a lot of people that they enjoy listening to podcasts at 1.25 times speed because it sounds like everybody's just a little zippier, like they got a cup of coffee. I don't think you could do that to us when we enjoy <laughs> when we like the a movie. movie. Yeah, we're already just steamrolling. I know, because I was like, the silhouette, the mask. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, eating it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cinematography. <laughs> the other thing I love about my... Bloody Valentine is something that I love. MBV. MBV. And it, I love it in CB. I love it in uh, SBM. The, that's Cabin Fever and Stand By Me. I love it when a movie has a town myth in it. Like a story within the story. Yeah, it was very urban legendy. Yes, exactly. And it's like, there, there was a period where... <laughs> childhood. It, the period was childhood. Where... <laughs> Every, every town had its own scary story. And like, there's a, there's, everybody's got a boogeyman and it's central to our location. And it's something that they've all heard about. They've all heard about Harry Warden, this crazy guy who was left in a fucking abandoned mine for six weeks and then went crazy and, you know, maybe potentially will murder everybody in town if they celebrate Valentine's Day. By the by, it was the longest flashback ominous story ever. It was pretty long. It's like, there are scenes in this flashback. And there is no way that bartender doesn't tell that story every single night. Oh, I loved him. He's good. But I think the coolest thing about the urban legend aspect is, so our 
our police chief that we're following, he doesn't meet up with the teens until the end of the movie, apart from canceling the dance. But when... <laughs> As police chiefs do. <laughs> oh! Fucking chief. But when each of the individual groups get either their first taste of the killer, whether he's delivering them a lovely box of heart chocolates or he's murdering one of their friends in the hot dog water, <laughs> they immediately are saying like, Harry Warden's back because everybody is aware and, and yeah. of the MO and the lore. So much so, I mean, this this entire town hasn't celebrated Valentine's Day for 20 years. This is the first time they're trying to celebrate it. Which also answers the question, why now? Because most of these slashers, it's just like, well, why now is this killer coming? Yeah, uh, it, this it just one, happens to be 20 years. They committed the sin, though. He said he would come back if they ever celebrated again. I love all those shots of him roaming the streets in his fucking, like, minor outfit, just looking for love. Like, <laughs> oh, you better not. Oh, is anybody exchanging gifts over there? <laughs> Every year he's looking in windows and making sure people aren't having fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most unfun day of the year. I ate minor. Yeah, I ate all of my friends just so you could eat some chocolates. Boo on you. Although we have to totally divulge the fact that oh. we were so, <laughs> so giddy excited during the during the laundromat kill when we realized all of the heart cutouts were upside down. Yeah, he took all the time to take all of them and turn them upside down. But we loved it. It's incredible. There, well, were, also- there were cheers in our screening. And when I say our screening, it was me and John in the rec room alone. <laughs> I mean, I did my best to make it feel like a screening. I legitimately played a coming attractions. Uh, this is how lonely we are. This <laughs> yeah. Is, this is what our quarantine life is. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I would highly suggest you guys do this the same. If you do not have a drive-in to go to or a movie theater in your town that's open, which is everyone listening to this. No one has a movie theater open right now. Uh, find some clips on YouTube and time it appropriately for your movie. I found a Cineplex feature presentation from the 80s that I played before a trailer for Friday the 13th Part 2, Red is the Lost Ark, and Student bodies all from paramount pictures and then our feature presentation before going into my bloody valentine and it totally set the mood i think that's i honestly think that's part of what made us love this movie so much it was super fun like so i had so much fun with this movie that we ended up staying up all night watching 80 slashers and it was it, was it became a, a whole thing yeah <laughs> the other thing that we super gushed about um both quietly to each other, and then somebody let it slip, and then out loud we talked about how badly we both just want to get a pair of Doc Martin boots now. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I, the the minor attire it was just really doing it for me. It looks good. <laughs> I got bad. I got a bad ankle, so like it's it's totally gonna stop me from ever twisting it again. See, form and function. That's fashion. What fashion's all about? Fashion and function. Regardless, we love the creature design, the character design of Harry Warden, the miner, um, who's never actually in the movie. That's the other thing that's so good about this. Harry Warden doesn't exist in the world of My Bloody Valentine. He is a ghost. He is a myth. He is a scary story you tell to kids, and that's exactly what our real killer uses to prowl on the streets and get away with killing all these people for so long. Yeah, I watching it today with a back catalog of horror history. You know that's coming. You can kind of feel that it's coming, especially because there's so much attention paid to the 
uh, love triangle that's in the film. Yeah. Something else I really enjoyed. Oh, did you? <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it. There was lots of drama. <laughs> I love that they go to like the one town reservoir or lake. Like, I, don't, I don't know where it is. There was uh, so much brooding emotion. There's a lot. And like one of them went out west to try and make it, but he came back because he failed. And, and now... you just left me here. <laughs> Don't worry, baby. I brought this ascot back for the both of us. I'm with Axel now. Axel's a chump and you know it. <laughs> Unfortunately, Axel was as exciting as a piece of cardboard and TJ was all like broody by the foosball machine. Like, I, I see where Sarah is coming. Axel's just a normal guy trying to make good. Like, it's not his fault that that TJ's back in town? I don't know. You should be with a girl that wants to be with you. I mean, that's true, but I'm just saying you could understand why Axel's upset. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, that was pretty shitty of TJ to, like, move in. Because yeah. things have changed, bud. Things have changed. Although... Your old news, TJ. The, the situation worked itself out because Axel was the murderer. Yeah, and I, you know, <laughs> honestly, he was going to make he was gonna help make that decision for her. I, that's what I said when they went into the mine because I was like, you know what? Positive side. Both of these guys aren't making it out of this situation alive. No way. So decision is made, Sarah. Yeah. It's like, also, you're your best friend is dead. <laughs> yeah, so enjoy not being able to confide or talk with anybody about this new decision. They filmed this in a real mine, eh? Did they? Yeah. That's scary. Uh, somewhere in Nova Scotia. It, uh, okay, so yeah, it definitely looks and sounds <laughs> <laughs> like coastal town. I spent several years of my life in Nova Scotia. John so lived in Nova Scotia. I lived in Nova Scotia. There's a cool little hill that you can park your car on. If you put it in neutral, it's it's magnetic rock and it will pull your car up the hill. And dads everywhere say that it's ghosts. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the story. That's what you gotta do. We had one like that, but it didn't oh, do anything. Man. And you would spend like hours out in the brush doing nothing and hoping for ghosts when we first moved to there nova were no scotia, magnets oh, i'm sorry to hear <laughs> or that. ghosts when we, when we first moved to nova scotia as a family um my dad for some reason decided it'd be fun to tell me that in nova scotia there were things like tremors that lived under the beach sand what <laughs> called like nova scotian wendigos yeah basically he called them swamp soggins <laughs> and i was like oh god swamp song <laughs> like i just i ate it up because i gotta tell you there were these weird parts where like you'd be walking on beach sand and there's definitely water underneath the beach sand so you'd step on it and like like a whole t you'd see a whole 10 foot chunk of sand sort of like shift weird and my so dad would be like john watch out Swamp Song is over there. Okay, <laughs> like, so oh God, Dad, get me out of here. Really weird side story to your story. Yeah. I don't think you've ever told me this before. All right. But I definitely think Swamp Soggins used to be a password you used to like, get onto your computer. Hopefully it's not your passwords for anything anymore because it's on this podcast. Like, on the, my computer? I swear to God, you, you're like, yeah, it's Swamp Soggins. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never asked for further clarification. <laughs> You're like, yep, everybody knows that as well. Science. <laughs> yeah, Nova Scotia was fun. Oh boy, it's funny that you you went in you went hard on the urban legendy aspect of this, yeah. and full circle brought it around your your childhood. It's the only two things that Nova Scotia has. It's it's urban legends and uh, opioid problems. <laughs> oh, I think I don't know. And I oil, was... there's lots of oil. Lots of oil. Uh, but yeah, so they filmed <laughs> My Bloody Valentine in a aban now abandoned, now defunct, mm -hmm. in a no longer operating mine. And when the people that own the mine handed it over to the filmmakers 
for filming, uh-huh. they cleaned everything up and it was like oh. pristine. So apparently they spent like $300,000 <laughs> trying to get it back to oh, like, to um, gross like it up shitty, a bit. dusty, miney quality because wow. it was like a lot pristine. Very, very Canadian of them to do. <laughs> yeah, though. we'll just we'll just clean up for you. Yeah, but apparently filming in the mine, they actually filmed thousands of feet under the ground. Wow. And there was so much methane that they, they had to use certain lighting, and it took like an hour for the film crew to just get set up every day, just to Damn. get down there and set up. That's insane. Yeah. It's like filming Day of the Dead or something. Like, you just never see sunlight for months at a time. That's crazy. I would not be okay filming in a real mine. Yeah? I'm, well, I'm, hey, you, maybe you'd be the perfect actress for it, oh, though. Like, no, you see that fear? That's real fear. Uh, I don't like anywhere that takes time to get out of. Even, like, taking the ferry to an island. Like, while I'm on the <laughs> island, I'm like, I have to take a whole ferry to get out of here. That's, that's, I'm basically just telling you guys what anxiety is like. This is what anxiety is like. But yeah. a whole mine where you have to take a fucking train car, and then a killer kid cuts the train car and the elevator. It's a movie. Fuck too. this You'll shit. be okay. No. I <laughs> <laughs> can't do it. I'm not in a love triangle. I'm definitely not the final girl. There isn't enough moosehead logger in the world to get me down that mine shaft. There was so much moosehead. There's a lot of moosehead in this movie. It's the only beer anybody drinks. Nova Scotia too, actually. It Is it like, actually Nova Scotian beer? Well, I mean, it's like uh, like Alexander Keith's and Moosehead would be the big beers of Nova Scotia. Those are big beers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it says Canada's biggest revenue. It should also be said that we we did watch the more gory cut. Did we? I think we did. I have no idea. So I wasn't sure. What, what did we watch it on? We watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah. So there's kind of there's a bunch of controversy regarding the 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 final gore cut because they had to cut so much out of this film. The director originally said that they cut like nine minutes out, mm-hmm. and then the 2009. Scream Factory, right? Scream, yeah, I think it was Scream Factory or Lionsgate or something. DVD release had an additional like three or four minutes of gore okay. that was cut out, but it wasn't everything. So mm-hmm. the director says um, they they did actually film that double impalement scene. We see the the corpses, but we don't see any of them dying. Yeah, um, which they say they filmed but is in none of the cuts. Oh, wow. But the version we saw did have a lot of on-screen stuff, like the laundromat, we saw the, the full reveal on that. Yeah. The shower sequence, which I really wanted to talk about because that is probably, I think, my favorite death of the film. One of the most creative. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with you too, but I, I couldn't help but feel while we were watching this version that it was still chopped down because... Well, I think that's that's the thing, though, is that there is no fully intact version. Got it. It's just the degraded or not available. Yeah. So the the most we have is one with three minutes of gore restored. Yeah. That's such a weird area of the movie, too, because you have all of these minor outfits that are just sort of like strung up in the rafters. I thought that was so great. It felt so like haunted house. Yeah, it did. Because... They they do the setup where she asks her boyfriend, like, how do you get those down? He's like, just pull that cord. And it drops. And there, there's like an exhilaration about it. And it's just like, oh, that's so crazy. Yeah. And then when the killer harnesses it, he's throwing these suits down every direction she turns to try to get away. Yeah. And uh, the last one ends up being a, the, a dead body, the bartender. <laughs> so cool. That's okay. So, by the way, when that bartender dies, it was also such... wonderful and also yeah. haunted housey. Yeah. Yes, Did exactly. Because it... he's setting up a prank. Yeah, oh, it, it man. felt so like Carnival Dark Ride. Like we were being taken through the mine. Yeah, and it's it's like um a little experience. Like you're on a train car and you're riding through, and skeletons are popping out. Like there were a lot of fun things about this movie that felt like a Halloween house. Yeah, and uh, I 
when that bartender is killed, I love it so much because he's he's setting up, you know, like somebody's going to open a door and oh, there's going to be a guy with a pickaxe there. And he just continues. He's so enamored with this prank that he is about to pull off that he keeps opening the door over and over to he scare himself. He does it himself. like five times. Yeah, and that fifth or sixth time, oh, Harry Warden is there. But it's after he fully walks away and then stops. And, <laughs> yeah, because he and thinks he hears something, right? I'm going to do it one more time. Yeah. And, but when he opens the door too, the, the puppet is gone. It's, it's all been dismantled. It's out of there. And we're now looking at like a fucking secret bookcase that Harry Warden has come out of. Uh, it's so great. I, I love an 80s slasher that has a moment where somebody opens a door and just immediately gets killed. And the, the, this, this is also very good, but... I love it when it's like they open the door and like chainsaws fully revved and they fucking kill him. Or <laughs> like, you didn't hear the fucking chainsaw? That's exactly, <laughs> that's what I love about it. It's so impossible. Like in the mutilator, I think, right? Where he opens the door and the guy's just got like a fucking boat motor and he just jams <laughs> it through. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And it is the world I want to live in. <laughs> I too like those, those deaths. For me, it's not just the door opening. It's literally like they turn around and they're impaled by something. Yeah. Like they turn into, into the weapon. Into the weapon. And like the killer's like, wow this really worked out like it could not <laughs> have gone better it's like he, they were just standing behind them like impossibly <laughs> close like breathing on the back of their neck and hoping they would turn around oh that's it yeah like or when you you like as a kid where you've got like a finger behind, like pointed by somebody's eyeball or something or you call what am i trying to say here i don't know so uh <laughs> another family story <laughs> My dad. All right, John, share all your passwords. Let's hear it. So uh, my my dad had a cousin who did that where I've done it before where like you you hold a fist by somebody's head or you just hold a finger. So that way when you call their name really loud and they turn around, you just poke them. (laughs) And it's funny. Yay. But this guy. This sounds bad. It's very bad. This cousin of my dad's had done it with a pencil (gasps) and he totally blinded his brother. (gasps) And then his brother got him back by doing the exact same thing. (gasps) So my dad has two cousins and they're both blind in one eye. Oh, yeah, the 70s were cruel to children. John, you sound like you're from a pack of hillbillies. (laughs) 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 They're just blinding each other. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. They might just be partially blind. Like, they can't drive, but, you know, (laughs) they can still see their children. You know, everything's fine. Oh, God. Oh, Canada, guys. Nothing to do when you get out of the mine but drink and blind your children. <laughs> it's so funny, though. Like, we've gone on road trips across America, road trips across Canada. We've done the cross-Canada drive twice now. Yeah. We've driven through a lot of towns that look like Valentine's Day bluffs. So many. Yeah, they all have one local bar and one local dance hall slash, I don't know. B- slash bingo hall. Yeah. Slash racquetball. Slash red hat lady society. <laughs> slash the, what are those guys? The Masons. Like everybody's got one little, it's just a, a floor space where they all politely fold up tables and chairs afterwards. <laughs> it's so true. Even when you watch like, it's, there's not a lot different between Midwest and Canada. No. Even driving through the mountains and stuff in the States, all of these small towns are so nostalgic of 
this era of films. It's almost like they never left the 80s. Yeah. They're all still there. They're like, no, we got it. We perfected it back then. Why would we leave? Are there any deaths or moments in the movie that we didn't talk about? That we haven't talked about. Um, I don't know if we've, we've said how amazing the laundromat sequence is, so I'm just going to like make sure just I, talk about that one more time. I float that out there again that it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I think this is one of those examples where restoring a movie to 4K ruins it in a small way because like yeah it's great you know this looks awesome it looks better than it ever needed to or deserves to maybe i don't know but um when he's looking around the laundromat for mabel you can very clearly see that one of the laundromat dryer windows is covered in blood. Oh, yeah, and, <laughs> and he he's checks like, a different one. <laughs> What's that smell? I'm a police chief. Smells a little like a dead body in here. Mabel? Mabel, you making lunch? Like, it's just, <laughs> it's weird, right? And it's, it's like he just, ha- oh, you know, before I go, I might as well check this one last dryer door and blam, Mabel's body spills out. I love it. But I bet in 1981, you didn't see it coming. Very true. Yeah. I love that sequence, though, like where Mabel is. It's so sad because Mabel, is, she's working hard. I love her so much. Late at night. She's and she just wants these place. kids to have a Valentine's Day. Yeah, she's going. A, she, Mabel is the original rule breaker because they say don't celebrate Valentine's Day. And Mabel's just like, you know what? I'm putting some decorations up. And when <laughs> the cares? police chief is like, maybe don't say that it's the first one in 20 years. Yeah, maybe <laughs> let's, let's downplay that a little bit. <laughs> but she's there late at night and she's like, oh, who left me some Valentine's Like. That is what's really sinister about this movie, too, is that he secretly drops a heart, right? And you don't know what it is. And so all of these people think that for the first time in 20 years, they have a secret admirer. And oh no, it's actually just a secret stalker in the fucking shadows ready to pickaxe you. Mm. It's rough. Poor Mabel. Yeah. I guess the, the, the other thing I like about it is, is the same thing that I like about like all 80s slashers. I, I love when a slasher spoon feeds the ending to me. Like where like it's it's the only character who dies off screen is very clearly going to be the killer who <laughs> is revealed at the end of the movie. Bam, it's Axel. The mask is off. The jig is up. And then we have a quick flash. Where we see baby Axel watching his dad get killed by <gasps> Harry Warden 20 years earlier. It's just so funny that nobody in the entire film was like, Ever he's an up. orphan. Like, yeah. nobody even, and nobody even thought to maybe ask him how he was feeling around Valentine's this Day. This has got to be a rough day for it's him. It's the anniversary of his his father's death. Yeah, it's the 80s. No one cared about mental health. Yeah. And, but also the police chief and the mayor knew all about and it. And they were just like, oh, right, the murder. Yeah, because they, they are there to explain to us, the dumb audience who couldn't figure it out, like, oh, that's right. His father was killed by Harry Warden 20 years ago and he watched it happen, poor boy. Of course he's the killer. Like, I I love it when a slasher does that. Apparently when they filmed it, none of the cast knew That's great. who the murderer was. Because w- the director wanted them to play all of their their scenes together, especially like with the, the like, love oh, maybe, triangle. Like, oh, maybe I'm the killer. Um, well, they wanted them to play it really honest, like because you do actually really feel for Axel when... Sarah's kind of leaning more towards TJ, but... Yeah, when they're at the party and he runs off and he's just like, You don't! Axel, you screwed it up! Like, it's good. And I mean, I totally thought, like, I totally fell for it. I thought TJ was going to be the murderer because he was so broody. Yeah, yeah. I totally thought it was going to be him. He left He left the, the small coastal town and went off and got all those evil Western ways and Well, now head. he's back and his girlfriend's with somebody else and he just hates love. Yeah, he just hates it. <laughs> oh! 
Man, I feel so bad for Hollis. Hollis got like the nail gun in the face and stuff. And he was such a nice dude. He was a really nice. He broke, he up, broke up the, up the fight. fight. Yeah. yeah. Y'all, like, oh, come on now, just shake and be friends. <laughs> like, oh, it's good. And his girlfriend, like, they were such a sweet couple. Yeah, he's also got like that hat. I don't know how to describe it. Canadian. It's, it's Canadian. I was gonna <laughs> say, like, it's got like those weird sort of wings that you'd see in like a pilot's jacket. Every I. I think, every, I think it's a trapper hat. Is that what it is? Yeah. Every single one of us in Canada, and probably you too in the States, have a photo of their dad wearing that hat at some point or another. <laughs> Sometimes they had beer cans on them and straws that like twirled down into the mouth. There is a lot of photos of dads balancing on things or dads balancing things in their hands or doing stuff. Like a kid standing in their <laughs> yeah. hand. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of photos. Wearing that hat. <laughs> wearing that hat. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, Kim. And most important part of the podcast, what is your rating of My Bloody Valentine? Okay, so I I feel like we're going to have to do a post-quarantine revision of all of the episodes that we recorded in quarantine. Agreed. Because I have no idea if this is a quarantine bump or not, because I'm just like really loving and thankful for film right now. We've talked about it before. You should look at my, my letterbox. It's all four and five stars. I'm, I'm really appreciative of cinema right now. Oh, yeah. It's the greatest <laughs> gift we've ever been given. Uh, so I'm going to give this a four out of four. I am so happy. I am also giving this a four out of four. Okay. Yeah, I loved this movie. It's just like, do I love this movie this much? And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And then we followed it up with Slumber Party Massacre. Another four out of oh, four. So Slumber fun. Party Massacre 2. Another four out of four. Five out of four. Like, I don't know how it broke the scales but it uh, did. we gotta do episodes on those ones we do we really do we are overdue but if you've ever been curious yeah we like the silver party massacre movies. <laughs> they're great oh man such a fun movie if you haven't visited this one in a while i definitely recommend checking it out because i i don't think it gets like i mean it's much beloved now it's definitely grown a, a cult status but it definitely pales in comparison to the halloweens and the friday the 13th it's it's kind of the dustier cousin of those films yeah and especially for canadian slashers i mean black christmas is our kind of bread and butter but Yep. My Bloody Valentine, holy moly, so much fun. Yeah, greatest design too. I, I love and have always loved the look of the of the killer, Harry Warden. And uh, I'm surprised it doesn't get more love. We should go out as mine. Nah, that's I'll good. just be a box of with a heart in it. Oh, that's cool. And then you be the miner. That's all right. That's our costume. Or I'll be a mine. Gotta wear that. I don't know what. All I'll right. just be dusty. Yep. <laughs> I'll be a piece of coal. <laughs> oh, the idea. Or a laundromat. Mm. I'll just be, I'll be like a You'll washing be machine. Just be and Mabel. then inside there will be a head. I like it. We better start working on our cardboard washing machine. Oh, that's so true. I'm going to have to make that Harry Warden <laughs> from scratch. Nightmare on Film Street is listener supported. We'd like to take this moment to thank our patrons. Are you ready? Thanks. Want to join the Fiend Club? Hightail it to patreon.com slash nightmare on Film Street. Coming up next, we're talking about another 80s Canadian classic. Happy birthday to me. Someone's having a party for the top 10. The senior class snobs. Before they get to celebrate... Six of them will die in the most bizarre ways you'll ever see. Virginia, don't go away. Come over here, Virginia. 
it is up to you to determine whether you wish to subject yourself to fear, terror, and shock. Because of the bizarre nature of this birthday party, pray you are not invited. From 1981, Happy Birthday to Me is currently sitting at 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb, 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd, and was one of the dogs of the week on Siskel and Ebert. Dogs of the week. Yeah, the worst movies Woof. of the week. Paired with the uh, Odorama card of Polyester. Not the movie. He's like, yeah, you know, I kind of liked it, but this card, ugh. The scratch and sniff? Yeah. Oh. Ebert didn't like it. So this movie was a journey. Um, yeah. A journey you and I both took together. Yes. For the first time. Oh, boy. For this podcast. <laughs> I gotta say, out of the gate, though, like, the opening of this movie is a fucking plus. It was a ride. It was a ride. Loved it. (laughs) It was straight up, like, 70s giallo. Yes, and the lighting in the garage and everything. The Um, lighting, the trench coats, black gloves, helpless women, I guess. That's a big theme in Italian horror movies. Yeah, you know what? Some of you are gonna laugh when I say this, but I was totally reminded of the sequence in the House of Wax remake where Paris Hilton finds her undoing. It was very similar, being chased by the unknown killer in the car park. I was going to say, it's because there's a bunch of cars everywhere, Well, and there's a lot of, like, through window shots. There's a lot of through everything shots in this movie. (laughs) This whole movie is behind a tree. There's a scene in the (laughs) movie, yes. There's a scene in this movie shot from inside a closet, and not, not only do we have, like, the perspective of the killer or whoever's hiding in the closet looking at the girl sorting through clothes. It's framed so that way we see her face through a coat hanger. Like, everything is looking through something else. Then the Oh, re- I just had a, because of the reveal at the end. No. With the killer looking uh, through we'll, something. We'll get to it. <laughs> I don't buy it. I just bought it. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh it looks great though in in the opening of the movie because we are, you know, sort of looking through a we're looking through a card <laughs> open car door out through the windshield in through another car where a girl is hiding. Every, everything about the opening kill of this movie is mwah. like I I love everything about it. So perhaps the most important thing though yeah. is our opening kill Bernadette is running through this garage from this unknown assailant. Right before she dies, we learn that she knows her killer. She's oh, yeah. very familiar with her killer and something very distinguishable. Oh? Uh-huh. The killer uh-huh. is wearing a top 10 scarf. Oh, shit. Top 10, of course, being the clique that the elite of this high school I thought it was to. a college. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because they every night they go to a bar. But, um... Movie's got to be set in I'm Quebec, gonna, right? I'm going to assume it's set in Quebec, where the drinking age is 18. Right. Uh, it might have been even earlier, back in the 80s. I don't even know. No idea. Um, and I, I'm also going to... So there's two There's two things that lead me to believe that this is set in Montreal. One, drinking. Yeah. In at a, a bar. At a young age. Two, there's one character with a French name. <laughs> He's a foreign exchange student, but it's okay. 
I mean, it could also just be that these are the rich kids. Like, these are the richest kids in town. None of them really like each other. They're just all rich, so they've all hung out forever. That's so true, because they're so mean to Alfred, but then they just, like, go to movies with him. They're mean to everybody. Yeah. Every single person in this movie is awful. But they're all best friends, I guess. And they all wear a scarf. That's, that's what kids do. They, <laughs> they all... all also wear a scarf. But it isn't, honestly, it isn't just the beginning of this movie that I like. There, there are large parts of this movie that I think are so good. <laughs> and just like, oh, they're hitting it on the money. Like, I, it's, oh, it's great. It's And, you know, when you open with something, at least in my mind, that is very Italian, it's hard to see the rest of, like, the dumb slasher tropes and not be like, ooh, giallo tropes, because, like, you know, the killer POV stuff, very 80s slasher, also very 70s giallo. But that's kind of where it ends. I mean, really, like, they wear gloves and we have POV shots, so it's just me. Yeah, I think part of what makes this film really fun and also very complicated and confusing is that is it is at its core a whodunit. We're tasked as the audience to try to guess who the killer is, and this movie does not make it fucking easy for you. <laughs> I have a feeling there were a lot of pickup shots where they're just like, we need another scene where this guy looks suspicious and another one where this girl looks suspicious. There's a fucking scene where we go into a character's room and he has a severed head. Yeah! <laughs> a full-out severed head. And then when we get the the joke reveal that, oh no, he's just really into weird... He, so he's a taxidermist. He works with real dead things. Yes. And he just, he pulls a glass eye out of this still very real looking corpse head. And then they all just like laugh. Like, he oh, could have put a glass eye in a real corpse well, lady. It's, yeah, it's like, it's like red and goopy behind that yeah. eye also. It looked so. like brains in there. <laughs> This is just a clever ruse. So, I mean, I'm telling you, if you go to a friend's house, it's like, oh, no, I'm just I'm just moonlighting as a special effects artist. Call the cops anyway. Yeah, so spoiler alert, he's not actually the killer. But do you think that the killer tasked him to make the mask at the end? Let uh, Who has the skills to make that mask? I'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tip it too much. I, th I do think we should take the moment to say- I was confused in that scene for a very long time. <laughs> very. If you have not seen this movie, you you really should see it before we talk about it. It's nuts. It's bonkers. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. Whatever. It's not really available to stream anywhere. But we're going to give away an ending that is just like, what the fuck? And it was very worth seeing it blind. We did- neither of us knew what we were expecting- and I very much want you to have that journey also. This movie is an onion with many layers <laughs> to be peeled back. And the, the craziest thing is that in the middle of this movie, getting into spoiler territory here, it's revealed, or at least we think it's revealed, that Ginny is the murderer. We see her killing people. Yes. The infamous shish kebab kill, which is the cover of the film, the poster. We see Ginny do it. Yes. Uh, we see Ginny kill her doctor. We we see Ginny kill. Yeah, we see her kill somebody in the cemetery. This girl is so rich. Her dumb family is so rich <laughs> that they have a cemetery on the ground. And a cottage. Yeah, so it's like, oh, we're, we're going to have my birthday in the cottage. Like, you think, oh, you're going to go for a drive. That's why your friends didn't come to your what birthday party. What a great party. place to hide all those corpses you've been accumulating. Yeah. No, this cottage is just elsewhere on the estate. Oh, everybody is dumb rich in this movie. Just like beyond rich. It bugs me. <laughs> <laughs> Another important scene that we kind of skipped over because it's still in the getting to know the top 10 phase is the chicken with the drawbridge. So there's a channel in their town and there's, you know, like one of those bridges that uh, 
it's a road and then a boat comes and then the bridge lifts it's yeah. all very exciting <laughs> uh but the top 10 play this game of chicken where they they basically dare each other to try to jump the bridge as it's opening and they call dibs almost like shotgun for an order first time they do it and Ginny, who's new to the group ends up in like number five of five cars and a motorcycle that was a really like that was, for me was the scariest part of the movie yes agreed it was very tense <laughs> I don't know why she needs to have a ride with these people because first off, they barely make it. The car crashes on the other side. It's like almost destroyed. But they're not- And they're so chill about it. Well, I mean, now we eventually find out that they're stupid rich. So yeah, I guess so. But she runs away from them into a clearing just off the side of the road, which leads to the cemetery, which is on her property. So she could just walk home from there. I know. And they're like, should we go after her? And they're like, nah, she's just walking home. Like, great friends. Yeah. It, it's so confusing, too, when she w- goes into a cemetery and then is just supposed to be there. But either way, that's where her mom is. Uh, we find out later that her mom had done the same thing. Her mom was trying to make it across the drawbridge while it was lifting. Didn't make it. The car crashed. Mom drowned. This is very complicated. <laughs> but Ginny made it out alive. Except she got, like, her head stuck in a rudder of another boat and then oh, required, like, right. massive brain surgery. I completely forgot about the rudder. I, I remember that she had brain surgery. I couldn't remember why. Because it's like, well, I mean, she was just in a car accident. She got out okay. Like, thus introducing Ginny, her doctor, and her flashbacks and also worries that she might be the killer (laughs) p.s her doctor her psychiatrist mr doctor david faraday is played by glenn ford i don't know why apparently he was like really not happy being in a slasher (laughs) and was like very uncomfortable to be around on set (laughs) really like he was just bitter the whole time i I guess like god damn it i was in gilda i knew rita hayworth (laughs) I don't know what it is about him. Like he's, you know, he's in Gilda. He's in The Big Heat. Those are both awesome noirs. Really like them. Wasn't nuts about him in them, but I saw him in 310 to Yuma recently. And now I think I finally get it, which is hilarious that we then followed it up with a slasher where he's just kind of there. Glenn Ford corner with time. It really feels like he's covering up murders throughout this whole movie, it right? It feels like everybody's covering up murders. It yeah. feels like dad's covering up murders. It feels like the doctor's covering up murders. What I, so my first assumption as as a whodunit detective was that she was killing people but dad and the doctor wanted this experimental brain surgery to be a success so bad that they were just covering up the corpses from everyone and her yes so that she was just like murdering people at night and they were like oh but it's (laughs) it's all false to the brain surgery but they don't want to tarnish this budding research exactly and they want so bad for her to be okay that they're just you know, like gaslighting her murders. <laughs> when you watch it with the assumption that she is hallucinating, then it starts to make a little more sense. But not like you really don't know what's going on because you see her commit murders and then there are no bodies. And then there are also murders being committed where you're pretty sure she was definitely not around for them. Because like all slashers, we we try and track where the group is because... You know, if if there's a group of 10 people, we're going to know where six of them are. So that way, three of them could potentially be the killer while one of them's being murdered. 
And that's kind of how the rest of this plays out. There's a lot of like, I'm going to go with this person. I'm going to go with this guy. Like, okay, I'm going to go for a walk by myself. And like, they're <laughs> either dead or the killer. Well, and then there's also weird sequences where you think someone's been murdered or something, but then you don't know anything. Like, for instance, when Ginny goes up to the bell tower at the church with that. What was up with that? Yeah, with the dude. And then he gets all creepy because I guess it, the film wants us to suspect him. And he's like, I got a knife. And then he has a knife. And he's like, let's cut the bell. Yeah. And then. And then she goes into another like fugue state and we disappear to the next day and we just assume that guy's missing because there's well, blood. The, yeah, like, there's blood on the floor. <laughs> and it turns out he just cut his hand and he was just like, yeah. But there's there's a big long sequence where she is distraught. She knows something is wrong. He's missing. There was blood found there. The rope's been cut. And she has no recollection of how the rest of the night went. So she assumes I killed him. I murdered someone. She tries to confess to her doctor. He's not having any of it. The cops who are at the school mere feet away and can hear this going on also don't give a shit about it. The Dean also heard. She literally walked over. Yeah, she walks onto camera and goes, hmm? But then somebody finds a scarf buried in the garden. Which he had buried. He buried the scarf. It doesn't make (laughs) any sense. (laughs) <laughs> but then but then what's his face why did he bury the scarf i have no and the, idea the fake skeleton it, that did he think really... he was just being funny i guess because they're supposed to be shitheads like they're just rich pricks i'm still confused i guess it's a prank it seems like they <laughs> pr- <laughs> prank funny like, <laughs> all of your friends are dead but then out of nowhere he shows up like oh you big dummy i cut my hand oh jeez and it's he weird. introduces himself back to her after everybody suspects he's dead <laughs> by like dropping down in the library upside down as though like, he's dead like a corpse <laughs> oh boy there are some fun kills though like etienne gets his scarf throat which is great i mean the fact that they've all got scarves and they refuse to take them off <laughs> uh i'm so surprised that guy wasn't wearing his scarf when he was lifting weights but etienne gets oh my his, god that would have been great that would have been great etienne gets his scarf thrown into the bike chain when he's he's tuning up his motorcycle and it strangles him slash Scrapes up his face a bunch. We get like a Scarface shot where blood gets splattered onto him. It looks awesome. Love and it. also we hate Etienne because he's, he's a perv. He steals underwear from Ginny. Like There's in this, this real... really long yeah. <laughs> I'm going to murder you sequence just to take her underwear so he can have them with him as like good luck on his dirt bike race, which we spent a lot of time at. Oh, like yeah. we are really invested in the dirt bike race. This movie is too long. It's very long. There are too many scenes. I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, Would we, you have cut the dirt bike race, John? I don't know. It's very important to the dirt bike race. I honestly just think I would have cut every scene down two minutes. I would have cut out the entire bell tower thing because I was just more confused than anything. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I also the that. head in the in Alfred's house. Like, Oh, no, well, that's I, key. That's key. We he definitely... That found the like I I am under the firm belief that he found the corpse and maybe in the in the cottage or in the graveyard or whatever and he just took the head for himself and was <laughs> like I'm preserve this. Yeah. Just like not a murderer, but a definite accomplice slash creep. Future murderer. <laughs> murderer in training. Ugh. Just focus it on that for a half a second. Back though. to the head. Back to the head. <laughs> Let, let's just look at it like they like the characters in the movie are supposed to be looking at it. Bernadette's missing. We don't know where Bernadette is. No one's worried because it's a movie. No one's ever worried when people are missing. Like, I'm sure she'll turn up. She's probably just with a boy. You know, that kind of thing. Well, then a boy goes missing and they do think that they're together. Exactly. They just run off. Now, your friend is away. And while she's gone, 
And even though there is speculation that maybe she's in trouble, I'm going to sculpt her head. (laughs) Why not? Like, that's just fucked up. That's just fucked up. If I went to a friend's house. Okay, so wait. And he had a Creepy like, scale. perfect head. Creepy scale. Of a f- mutual friend. That's that's like a 11 on the creepy scale. Okay, no though. What's creepier? Etienne underpants stealing or Ooh. Alfred making a head of a missing girl? A very realistic head of a missing girl. Definitely still the Etienne thing. I think the head. Yeah, I don't know. So Etienne's thing is a chargeable offense. Alfred's is so creepy that, like, you don't even know what to do but back out of the room. Well, yeah, because by, I presume... Okay, what's creepier? The fact that he can do it from memory or that there might be, like, a, an entire wall of photos of Bernadette that he just stares at all oh day my while God. he's making the head? <laughs> like, I worse? need 360 <laughs> degrees of Bernadette's face. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like any of it. We shouldn't gloss over the fact that there is a great kill sequence with a guy lifting weights. He seems to have no problem with a person walking in with leather gloves. Everybody wears scarf. gloves in this movie. They've, they're wearing a trench coat, scarf, leather gloves inside. Aren't they him in the nuts with a piece with a weight? <laughs> yeah, and that's why he drops it and just fucking crushes his neck. At that moment, I was like, yep, killer's a girl. <laughs> killer's definitely a girl. I don't understand the killer's motivation in the movie. Do you want to get to it? I don't know what else there is to talk about. Okay, so- Should we? We, yeah, so we, we mentioned that halfway through the film, it's revealed that um, that Ginny has been doing some of these murders. But there's another layer on this onion to unpeel. Because oh when we finally get to the cottage, everybody is pretty much dead. Dad is the one that takes us there. He discovers that mom has been dug up. The dead doctor has been chucked in the hole. Oh yeah, Glenn Ford dies. <laughs> yep. And when he gets in there... Ginny is surrounded by her dead friends because the night that her mom drove off the bridge or whatever was Ginny's birthday. And they were having a party in that cottage and none of the kids came. And so Ginny's mom did this weird, really extra thing where she drove to <laughs> Anne's parents' house because Anne was having a an alternate party and everyone was there. And so Ginny's mom was demanding that Ginny get to go to the party. And the, the groundskeeper, the gatekeeper was like, no, we you're gross, you're yeah. trash. Yeah, she's and she's like, I'm socialized. rich now. <laughs> And uh, and I guess her fit of of sad mom rage, they fall off the bridge and she dies. And Ginny gets her head trauma. I'm listening to you lose steam talking. About it's this. I'm getting myself confused. I was gonna say, <laughs> don't you kind of love how complicated B slashers are? It in the is 80s? so 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 tightly wound. It's it's bizarre because I'm not. I'm only at the pre stuff i'm only doing the backstory like yeah we, we haven't even talked about the cabin but all of the backstory gets doled out in weird spurts and like but but honestly watching these movies is great because they just happen like there's no fluidity from scene to scene it's like a roller coaster like you go down you go up yeah you go down you go up it's nuts and then at the end you get off and you're like what <laughs> They said there was a loop to Thank them. you. <laughs> Thank you. I had fun. Okay, talk about the cottage, John. Take over. Actually, just one last thing on your roller coaster thing. I do kind of wish there was an app you could install on your phone that you could mount on your TV, and it would occasionally take photos of you while you're getting exposition during the <laughs> slasher movie. So I could just, so like getting off a ride on a roller coaster, we could have just like a film strip that is just confused faces. <laughs> 
and the occasional like yeah because there are there, there are, are some yes oh there are some yes yeah especially at the beginning and at the end but the greatest oh, part about the end I, of this movie when i knew what the cottage scene was gonna look like right. i had my arms up yeah. until we got there but you know you know how occasionally you get like one last big drop on a roller coaster and then you gotta wait for a few minutes while the other car ahead of you is doing some safety check and you're just waiting it out that's the killer oh, speech that's the killer's speech and it goes <laughs> for a while because yeah dad comes into the house there's blood everywhere can't find his daughter Goes out to the cottage for some reason. He just knows he needs to go there. There's there's a girl standing in the rain holding a gift. And she's just traumatized. We don't know why. But we don't. I still we, don't know why. We don't go back to her. I still don't know why. She, she, it's a great little moment, though. And then, yeah, <laughs> mom is dug up. The doctor's in there. Glenn Ford's finally happy to rap on this fucking movie. <laughs> and when we get into the cottage, no one has been in there for four years. It is left exactly how it was. Birthday decorations and all. Birthday decorations. Just moldy, disgusting cake. Cobwebs everywhere. And all of Ginny's friends murdered, mutilated, seated at the table. Some Incl- of them are strung up, actually, to, to like have like a facial pose. That's great. And mom is there, too. And she yeah. looks fantastic. Yes. A, the, the special effects team deserves an award for it. It's such a decayed corpse, but it is like a spitting image of mom. That is the weirdest thing. Yeah, it definitely has four years of decay and just like worms eating your face. And like it looks nothing like a human being, but it also looks exactly like mom. Yeah, it still looks like that actress, which is nuts that's impossible yeah i don't, I don't know, know how they did it it's yeah. wonderful it's perfect and then slowly the, the the room starts to fill with light as Ginny comes in with a birthday cake singing happy birthday to happy me birthday to me happy birthday to me happy birthday dear Ginny. Happy birthday to me. And it's incredible. Dad is just sitting there, soaking wet, jaw on the floor, trying to understand what the fuck is going on before his daughter slashes his throat. Part one. Part one, (laughs) yeah. So um, he also doesn't realize that his actual daughter is at that table. (laughs) She's sitting right there. Her head is down, she's unconscious, but she starts to wake. And then real Ginny is met with some other doppelganger Ginny. <laughs> other Ginny. Yeah, so, which is apparently the real killer in the movie. And then we have the greatest reveal I've ever seen. Like the greatest worst reveal I've ever <laughs> seen in an 80s slasher movie where Ginny peels off a silicone face to reveal Anne Thompson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. It, it looks it looks really good. It, okay, it's, so it's like Mission Impossible where Tom Cruise takes off John Voight's face. And okay, Tom so Cruise. do you want to know why? Well, I know why. But it, <laughs> well, <it's>... well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Please. Uh, Ginny's mom, uh-huh. Ginny's trashy mom, was sleeping with Anne's dad, I guess way back when. Way back when. And so... Ginny is actually half sisters with Anne. Do they share the same birthday? Is that what I'm getting? No. No. No? No. I think Anne's just trying to ruin everybody's life. Okay, because her coming out with the cake is a thing. 
I guess that's just for dad. Yeah, but I guess you're right. Like, why did she kill all of her friends? These were her friends. I don't know why she killed her friends. Because she's also planning on killing Ginny, too. It's not like she's going to frame Ginny. Yeah. And what did her friends see out in the rain? Anyway, um, <laughs> we, we, we have like these fight club flashback moments. They're the fucking best. Because like Kim mentioned, we have plenty of scenes where we see Ginny kill people, especially the shish kebab scene. The one everybody remembers. Oh my God, I forgot about the flashback she's scene. Just, yeah, she's just like, we had to play it out so smartly because, you know, you you went in to go get the shish kebabs and then I chloroformed you. 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 <laughs> like more than once. Anytime you, she's like, you went into the cemetery and I chloroformed you. <laughs> so and then every I killed Alfred. <laughs> every fugue state Ginny's been in in this entire movie, has she's been drugged and left unconscious just somewhere well a masked doppelganger murders the person that Ginny was with and i feel real cheated because as it's 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 just a lie that movies can't do and i i don't oh those bastards we follow Ginny, like we follow her pretty closely from getting out of a car running away going to the cemetery murdering a person like there's no real room for her to be chloroformed <laughs> Especially because Ann Thompson is usually with the fucking group also. So she has to get away, change into Ginny's clothes, chloroform her, murder a person, clean it up, put them in the cottage. Okay, (laughs) At least she's got a spot to put them. Uh, And then get Jenny back home and in bed, I guess. The best thing ever, though, would be if they'd planted the seeds for this. And upon rewatching, like those sequences where where Jenny, like, say, where she's stabbing that person. We always see Ann Thompson with just, like, beat, like, eyes just darting around. No, so where Jenny's, like, stabbing the guy with the scissors in the cemetery, like, in the background, you just see shoes and feet. Oh, like, if you look real close. behind, Behind, like, a tombstone like there's just this passed out body in the background <laughs> that'd be great i would love it i don't know if i have the energy to rewatch this movie right away though i don't yeah it's, it's quite a lot it's nuts because this movie really really won me over at the gate i was like fuck yeah how come we've never watched this movie this movie's amazing i can't wait to put together a happy canada day these are some great canadian horror movies you should check out and like this one's on the fucking top but uh no So I kind of disagree, though. I think the fact that it's really convoluted and insane makes it better. Uh, You know, if... I'm very much enjoying my confusion. It's... (laughs) I agree. It's been a few days and I'm still scratching my head and that's fun. And this conversation has been great. I almost wish those scenes that I thought were just like like picture perfect were worse, I guess. (laughs) Because, like, I just... Be worse! Yeah, like, I don't... I, I don't like saying that, but I have no other way to say it. Like, it's just, like, this has some really polished stuff for a really unpolished movie. That's a fair assessment. Yeah. That sounds, so, uh, sounds like 80 slashers to me, though, so... Quantify that into a number rating, John. Oh, boy. Uh... 2.85 out of 4. I'm going to be 2.5. Uh, I'm, I'm also a 2.5, but I just... I, I, I'm telling you, there are some scenes... Straight four out of four. Her coming out with that birthday cake. Oh, oh and like all the yeah. corpsey friends. Oh, I was about that. I was so about good. those corpsey friends. So, so good. It's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it, it's just it's just too long. And it tries to do a little too much. If that makes sense. But that's just our opinion. That's true. Tweet at us at NOFS Podcast and let us know what you thought about Happy Birthday to Me 
and My Bloody Valentine, two Canadian 80s slashers. Happy Canada Day to those of you who are in the Great White North celebrating um, Independence Day to our American friends and any other celebrations that are happening around this time. I'm not sure when everybody, everybody else has their Independence Day, but I don't know. If you're celebrating summer, enjoy that. Hopefully you're still social distancing and wearing your mask and doing all the things you need to do because we're still in a pandemic. My Bloody Valentine is very clearly the obvious winner for us. Uh, let us know what your other favorite Canadian slashers are. I'm sure Prom Night's on that list. Let's hear it. Black Christmas. Black, Black Christmas is the gold standard. <laughs> unfortunately, you will not find anything better than Black Christmas. Thank you so much for listening to Nightmare on Film Street. If you aren't already subscribed, please do so wherever you're grabbing this episode. And if you have a quick second, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us climb those charts and get in front of more fiends because we want to party with all of you. Nightmare on Film Street is listener-supported by fiends like yourself. Head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to find out about all of the bonus content available to you as a monthly supporter of the show. As always, though, for zero dollars, you can just recommend the show to a friend that you think would love it. Help us grow the horde. But until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends.